Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. Last week we started a series on the book of Titus. And in Titus, just to do a short, small recap of Titus, and then we'll jump into Titus chapter 2. But Titus chapter 1, we get an introduction of who this guy is. And and he was a partner of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is one of the biggest monsters of the faith that we see in the New Testament. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament letters to churches or to other pastors that were leading churches that Paul started. And he wrote a letter to Titus on how he ought to lead the church. So he puts him in Greece, not a bad spot if you're going to be a missionary, to go to Greece, specifically on the island of Crete. Here's what Crete looks like today. Check out this little beach picture. Um, Anybody want to be a missionary now? Um, I'll go sacrifice for Jesus. I'll uh, take one for the kingdom. And here's what, another one that's been developed a little bit. Not a bad mission trip, okay? They've got lots of air conditioning there. If you think that mission trips are miserable, um, we're going to go to Crete. So Paul drops off Titus at Crete, and he begins to do ministry there. Crete was a rough spot. Anybody ever use the phrase, when you call somebody out, you call them a Cretan? Anybody ever use that phrase? Yeah, I see some head nodding out there. We have an email group that emails after the service, um, uh, kind of like what happened in the service and um, who uh, attendance and offering numbers. And we just kind of like have this conversation afterwards through email. Joyce is a part. Andrew's a part. But Mary Frances Peacock is a part of that. And Mary, um, Mary listens every week. Just want to say hey to Mary mainly. I'll also say hey to Reese. But mainly I'm talking to Mary. Um, and Mary... <laughs> says, I used to call my siblings, you Cretans. And she goes, and now I finally know what that even means. I didn't even know what that meant back in the day. And so perhaps we use language that we don't even know what it means. But it basically is uh, Cretans were the most perverse, sinful, um, far from God sort of people. And so if you were on the island of of Crete. So they begin this church there, and it really started as a grassroots movement in church planting. It was house churches. And so these little house churches were kind of set up. So there were multiple leaders that were leading these house churches. And then all would come together into a larger church, which Titus was then going to be the pastor or the the bishop, which simply means just the overseer of these churches. And then we want to put elders into place. Elders, these, these governing um, pastoral leaders into place. And so Paul writes this letter to Titus in chapter 1. And he says, this is what our elders ought to look like. And he lays out some of the criteria for elders. Paul also introduces us to Titus in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, Titus is one who has the same heart that Paul has for people. Titus, he's coming to you with enthusiasm. And he's coming on his own initiative. Like, he actually wants to be there. He's a guy that wants to be in your city, in your, on your island. He actually wants to be the pastor of your church. It says that he's trustworthy. He's Paul's partner and co-worker. And so we go into Titus chapter 1, starting in verse 5. It says, The reason why I left you, Titus, in Cretan, was that you might put in order what was left unfinished, and that you can appoint elders into every town as I 
have directed you. Okay, so this word Cretan are these group of people that are sinful, they're perverse, they're far from God. But the Apostle Paul, who is a leader, and he's a leader of leaders, and he writes a letter to a leader. So this is a leadership book. How do we develop leaders? How do we train uh, leaders that are going to lead in the church, lead in our home, uh, lead in different places around in our organizations, in our department? It really is a leadership mindset book. As I was doing some studying on Titus chapter 2, it says that Titus... The whole book of Titus, but specifically Titus chapter 2, is, is you can prop all of the Christendom character, the character of what it means to be a Christian, upon the book of Titus. Because it drills down, not just on operationally and how do we can conduct meetings and business and whatever. It really speaks to the heart of the person and the mind of the leader, those that are taking place in leadership. Charles Spurgeon, he writes this, talking about church leaders and those that are leading the house, whether it's elders or pastors. Charles Spurgeon writes, It is with us and our hearers, as it is with watches and the public clock. If our watch be wrong, very few will be misled but ourselves. But if the horse guards of Greenwich Observatory should go amiss... Half of London would lose its reckoning. So it is with the ministers. He is the parish clock. Many take their time from him. And if he be incorrect, then they all will go wrongly. Talking about church leadership, that many people are looking to the pastor. And if the pastor says it's okay, then I'm kind of living and leaning into that. If the pastor says that this is wrong, I'm kind of living and leaning into that. If your watch is wrong, perhaps no one's day gets changed much. But if the pastor's watch is wrong on how he's living or what he's teaching or what he's preaching. So, so, so the apostle Paul writes to Titus and he's like, get strong in your doctrine. Have a clue what you're talking about because people, they're listening. And you are crafting and creating and forming mindsets of who this God is. So make sure your watch is right. Because people are basing their life upon what you're saying. Titus, what we see, it's fascinating about Titus as far as a pastor or what the military would call him as a chaplain. Titus is the patron saint of the United States Army Chaplain Corps. And the Corps has established an order. It's called the Order of Titus Award. And it describes, um, it's, it's described in the Department of Defense as this. The Order of Titus Award is the only award presented by the chief of chaplains to recognize outstanding performance of ministry by chaplains and the chaplain assistants. The Order of Titus is awarded for uh, contributions to the unique and the highly visible unit ministry team observer controller program. The award recognizes that the great importance of realistic, doctrinally guided combat ministry training, ensuring the delivery of prevailing religious support to the American soldier. How cool is that? That we have pastors that come in and strengthen American soldiers, and the award that they give them is Titus. This is the man that comes in and strengthens the body and strengthens the soldiers for work. Adam Clark says this, few portions of the New Testament excel this chapter. It may well form the creed and the system of ethics and the textbook of every Christian preacher. 
Does any man inquire what is the duty of the gospel minister? Send him to the second chapter of the epistle of Titus for its complete answer. So here we go. We're going here today in Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 1. All right, if you guys want to grab your Bibles, you can, or we'll have these scriptures here on the screen. Titus chapter 2, verse 1 says, You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. And so we as pastors must preach the Bible. I want to encourage you that whether you attend here, which all of you are this morning, <laughs> or if you ever attend another church, could you please run that church through the filter of do they preach the Bible? Period. No matter how cool their music is, no matter how updated their facility is, no matter how slick their children's ministry or youth program is, or no matter how cool the pastor's ideas or his own personal opinions are, preach the Bible. Period. We are banking our entire lives upon this book. And if we don't get to hear it from someone who sits with these scriptures and who studies them and then who tries to make them uh, and, and illustrate them and, and cause the scriptures to come alive in a pertinent way with a vision, a white-hot vision that grips the soul and moves the needle in your heart, that's a convicting message that says, I want to live that way. Not based upon a public opinion, but, but by biblically sound doctrine, and it's preached with boldness and with fire from the pulpit, that's a good church to go to. And if they don't, then vote with your feet and move on. This is what we're banking it on. Now, we want to have good music. We want to have a good children's ministry and a good youth program and all of the stuff, okay? An updated building to some degree. We kind of like this classic look. We are going to update the pews, not to chairs. Nobody freak out. Man, I just felt all the blood pressure just went up. <laughs> We're just going to put like some new, I don't know what you call it, carpeting on the pews. What's that called? Like a pew t-shirt. We're going to put some pew t-shirts on them. But make sure that the doctrine is solid. they got to be preaching the Bible, okay? And also, parents, I want to I encourage you with this, that if your kids have a phone, an iPad, a computer, access to Instagram or TikTok, please audit the people that they are listening to because I'll tell you, there's a lot of other teenagers and college students that their whole goal is to be an influencer. Like, that's their mission on life. And they want to do it through a Christian vein. And so many times they'll take a scripture potentially out of context, begin to speak on it, and then your 13-year-old, 14-year-old is crafting a mindset based upon some other 14-year-old who's living in his mom's basement who thinks he's got revelation on something. Just be careful. That's all I'm saying. I hope that they listen to a ton of preaching on TikTok. I really do. As long as it's coming from someone who's either gray-haired or bald, okay? They need to have some years <laughs> under their belt, Okay? If they can't grow a beard, they shouldn't be... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, please make sure that when the word of God is being preached, that it's biblically sound, that it's coming from the scriptures, and that it's not just somebody's opinion, okay? So parents, please. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you, there's times whenever my kids will listen to someone, they're like, Dad, did you know this? And I'm like, no, and you shouldn't either. You should not know that. That's not right. It's just not right. And so whatever things are pure, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are lovely, 
And can I say this? Whatever things are biblically sound, set your mind on those things. Verse 2, so, so we see that, that, that Paul is telling Titus, hey, get your doctrine tight and then preach it. And he says, number two, we need to teach our older men to be temperate, worthy of respect. Okay, let's teach our men to be temperate, or, or might, might we say um, to not be temperamental, but to be able to control your temper or to be self-controlled. Teach men what it takes to be a man who is worthy of respect. I'll tell you, we in this house, we spend a disproportionate amount of time on our men. Every week, Saturday morning, 9 a.m., we are here pouring into men. We had to add an extra table yesterday morning. The thing is growing. There's men down there, men that are hungry. They want to lead themselves well. They want to lead their wife and their children well. They want to lead in their community really, really well. It's getting gooder and gooder down there, by the way. Men, come. We're trying to pour in to men. What's it take to be a man who is worthy of respect? You're self-controlled. You're sound in your faith. You live in love and you have endurance. So let's break this down just a little bit, just this verse. Temperate, to be self-controlled. Men, I'll tell you this. We create the atmosphere of our homes. And many times we create it with the energy coming off of our spirit. We create it with the words that we speak. It's like a greenhouse, okay? Let's imagine that you just walked into a greenhouse. This has got the glass ceiling on it, and it's got just the right, I mean, it is, we've got this, this atmosphere baked to perfection. The temperature is just right. There's a little soft mist in the air. I'll tell you, good things grow in healthy environments. Bad things grow in the dark. Bad things grow whenever it's way too hot. When dad comes in hot, we're going to kill some things off. Our energy, our, our temperance matters. The, our, our words matter. Check out some of these scriptures when it talks about how we ought to speak. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Ah. Right here. It lives right here. And those who love it will eat the fruit of it. I want to encourage you as men, and we'll get into, there's a bunch of scriptures later on Titus on how we're going to teach and train women, but for, just for a moment, can we just hang here on this verse? Men, life and death live right here in the power of the tongue. I don't know about you, but I, I enjoy being right. Anybody else? Cody, you about choked on that drink right there. Do you like being right? <laughs> I like, amen, I like to be right at all costs, and I don't care if I kill you on the way with my tongue, okay? So I, I do not mind just going to the courtroom in a relationship and saying, this is why you're wrong, this is why I'm right, you're an idiot, I'm awesome, and I'm going to prove my case. <laughs> While there's just a stack of bodies in the wake of leadership like that. And everyone dies. And can I, just, can I just encourage us men, let's up the game. It's not about right and wrong anymore. It's about life and death. And whenever you are contending for what's right, we usually end up producing death. Because we're so connected to I have to prove that I'm right. i got to defend and i got to justify and i got to prove. And defensive leadership is so unattractive. Humble leadership is cool. They're real confident leadership 
is cool. That's also humble. But to prove and to wiggle and to uh, and get an angle and all sorts of stuff. Or to ask questions, not because you're curious, but to nail them. Anybody else? Just me? Just me. Okay. I'll do an altar call for myself afterwards. We'll dismiss church and I'll just repent up here. But men, life and death are here. I'll tell you, you know what? You can be right and be 100% wrong in how you do it. And you can be wrong and still be able to produce a lot of life in your family. And it's just by going low and it's by going humble and it's, and it's by producing and speaking and giving an atmosphere where really good things can grow. And things can come alive when we're producing life, not when we're producing how correct I always am. So if you can just punt being right for the rest of your life, just say the game is i got to produce life in this place. I'm going after life. I'm going after a much higher thing. So with my tongue, I'm going to speak words of life. With my tongue, I create. How did God create? And God said, let there be light. And God said, and God spoke the starry hosts into place. You create with your mouth many times. And so I just want to encourage you, man, audit your words. Make sure that life is coming out of this. I also know this to be true, that if you see it, say it. If it's positive, you don't always have to say all the negative, okay? But if you see something awesome, say it. Men, if you see your wife crushing it, say it. If you see your kids doing a good job, say it. I'll, I'll tell you this, whenever I see it and don't say it, it's usually because there's something off inside of my heart. Let me break this down. Something happens between Alyssa and I. And I don't like it. And my heart gets a little wonky. But it's date night. Terrible timing. Because I just want to take my ball and go home. I want to act like I'm four. And she comes walking down the stairs. And she is looking fine. <laughs> and I cannot say it. I don't want to say it. I won't say it. Because... What comes out of our mouth is the abundance of our heart. Our mouth will speak. And when my heart's off, I don't want to tell her that she's awesome because I think you're a bummer right now. And then she'll walk up to say, say, hey, how, how do I look? Hey, it's, it's fine. <laughs> hey, men, bad answer, okay? <laughs> 16 years of that answer is just bad. I think I would have learned by now. But... It's fine is not fine, okay? It needs to be fine, okay? That's a better, that's a better way to, to say that. And so when my heart is off, I can't speak blessing. And so it, it, it says what I say about Alyssa says more about me than it does Alyssa. What I say about Alyssa says more about me than it does Alyssa. If my heart is jacked up, who, who you talk about says more about you. Oh, you like to talk about people. Can't trust you. Oh, you're a gossip. I'm going to close my mouth when I'm around, when I'm around you. You, you. Oh, you open your mouth so much, you're revealing who you are. It's out of the abundance of the heart. Your mouth is just a window. It just lets me peek inside, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's who you are. And the energy coming off of that heart is like, whoa, my goodness. So when it says men be temperate, 
We need to be men that are speaking life, that we create this greenhouse where our kids just thrive and they come alive and, the, and, and where, where, yes, we do have hard conversations and we work through it, but we can correct in very life-giving ways where we can speak words of truth in love. There is a way to do this where we don't have to walk in as if we're John Wayne and just kill everybody along the way to prove how awesome we are. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 says, love builds up. It's just what it does. Love takes the thing higher. We're going to go to a higher level in our home, in our family. Proverbs 25, verse 11, like golden apples set in silver is a word spoken at the right time. The heck does that mean? <laughs> what, is it, what are you talking about, dude? All right, so let's just take apples, okay? Apples that are nutritious and they're juicy and they're, and they're flavorful, but they're made of gold. So they're costly and they're valuable and they're priceless and they're served to you on a silver platter is a word that's spoken at just the right time. You ever had somebody that walks in and you're like, man, how did you know? I, just, I needed to hear that right now. I just needed to hear that word. What, how, how did you know to call me right now? Oh my gosh, that text, I just needed to hear that today. It's like, well, it's like golden apples and settings and silver. It's like a word that's spoken at the right season. Like, the heck is that? Don't say that because then they'll think you're weird and that you grew up in church your whole life and then you're like this weird Christian, so you don't want to be that guy. <laughs> but timing, man, I'm just, I'm going to walk in with words of life. I'm going to speak words of life. There's going to be life coming off of my tongue and off of my lips. Love's going to build up. So men, as we are doing this thing, make sure that this is an area where you produce life. And I'm hanging here because usually, men, this is where we can produce a lot of death. It's with our words. It's with how we handle hearts that have been entrusted to us by the Lord to steward them as if they are the most delicate, precious things on the planet. Because they are. Sometimes conflict is hard. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says, speak words of truth in love. Alyssa likes to use this word truth as a verb. She goes, oh, I'll truth you. <laughs> I'll truth you for sure. I'll speak some words of truth. And I want to remind her, in love, <laughs> please, remind, we do love each other. Um, and she'll do, and she does it brilliantly. And she'll say, hey, I want to just give you a little bit of feedback. And not because I'm mad, but just because I want you to be good. I want you to be awesome. And so when we create, and it takes an insane amount of humility to welcome feedback. But man, if I want to grow, I need some truths. Man, feedback me here. Seattle Seahawks, they put in this thing, Coach um, Carroll, he put in this thing called Truth Mondays. And Truth Mondays are the day after the game on Sunday. We all come in and we have a, an atmosphere where we welcome truth. And we're going to create an atmosphere where, see, nobody's allowed to talk back to dad. Nobody can ever give him feedback. It's like, no, man, I, I want to grow. Did, tell me, how did I ding up your heart? How could I have done that better? What could I have? And so, so, so they'll come in, they'll watch film, and they'll see what's going on. And they're like, man, your three-step drop is way too slow. 
And man, that, that ball was delivered right into your breadbasket, and you dropped the ball. We got to work on our hands. Or offensive line, we're slow on these rotations, and we got to get there. And they'll break it down, and they'll truth one another. And then they all just welcome it. They're saying, I want truth. I want feedback because I grow from this point. And they go out there, and then they go the next, the next week, and they win the game. Truth sets us free. Truth frees me to be a new and a better version of myself. And whenever we reject the truth, I just spiral in the deception that I think that I'm awesome, but I'm just not. And I become just a bad leader. I would encourage you, man, welcome truth from your department, from your organization, from people that you are leading, from your wife, from your kids. It only will make you better. And I want to do it as I'm truthing you, but I want to do it because I love you. I just need to... I just need to point out a few little things here on your study habits and the grades that we're getting. Not because I'm just perpetually ticked off. It's because I want you to be sharp and I want you to be good. So can you open your heart to some feedback that we can get better? I would encourage you with this, men. Never, under any circumstances, ever, ever, lower yourself or your spouse, or your children, to the sinful nature of name-calling, belittling, or anger-fueled ranting, ever. Can we just make that a, a, a discipline? We don't live that way. I would encourage you that all conversations live at a volume level of this. This is a good pocket, whatever this means, but this is the pocket. As volume increases... The sense of clarity decreases. Oh, yeah, but you, oh, yeah, but you, you know what you do? Ah, I don't even know what I'm saying, but I'm going for it. And I'm slamming my fists and slamming doors and punching walls, and we're throwing a little temper tantrum. You're 40. You're not four. Never under any circumstances are we going to lead our homes like this, this is, just, this is just simple one-on-one Christianity. What the Bible is saying, men, we got to do better. We've we, we got to be self-controlled. We've got to be temperate. We've got to do things in love. We're just on verse 1, y'all. Like, for real, like, he's kind of serious about this part right here. So, so never. And so I'll, I'll just tell you, there's another scripture that it says, um, uh, that a harsh word stirs up anger, but a soft answer turns away wrath. So as volume is increasing, oh yeah, but you, yeah, but you, and whenever someone, and it's usually Alyssa, because she's awesome, will go, okay, well that's just the way that it'll be. No, come here, I'm sorry. What did she do? Instead of meeting whoever the voices is the loudest, has to be the most true, obviously. She's like, no, it's a soft answer. She's going to turn away wrath. And my heart is like, oh, oh, my gosh. Can just diffuse a situation. Do we believe that the Bible's true? Shouldn't we live like it's true? This would be a really good truth to apply. And so when we have soft answers, we have temperance, when we have live with self-control, you don't control my emotions, I control my emotions. You may have said that thing and it may have rattled something in here, but I have to own my response. I just can't blame it to you. Eleanor Roosevelt said, no one has the ability to make you feel any certain way. 
It's up to you. That's on you. Own it. Own your heart. Own your emotions. Be self-controlled. This is a man, I believe, that that's a man who's worthy of respect. That's a man who's worthy of respect in his organization. When it all hits the fan, and he's good, unmoved, baby, I got this. I got this. I got joy down deep. I'm good to go. So he encourages Titus to build men like this. And then the last one, he wants to encourage men to build up some endurance, build up some stamina, to be able to hang in the game, to build up the ability to, to have some, some energy in your spirit, in your body, strong mentals that we don't give up, we don't quit. We continue to go long after. Maybe even we play through the whistle. We run through the line. We go all the way to the end. And I'll tell you, this takes an insane amount of energy sometimes. And I'm talking physically. It just does, man. We just need more energy. We just can't afford just to be tired and groggy and whenever you've got a mission on your life. So just get done. I think this was a Wednesday or Thursday night. Get done with a... um, was in a couple nursing homes, get home that night, and we had a M&O meeting, and get home after that, it was after 8 o'clock, and Alyssa has gotten the kids fed, she's gotten them kind of wind down, everybody's taking a shower, homework is done, and just calming everyone, until I walk through the door. I'm like, hey, what's up guys, what's going on, what? Here we go, all the energy's coming. And so she's like, no, 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 please. I've been working so hard for this moment. I'm exhausted. I'm so tired. I'm out of breath. And Ronnie says, Dad. Ronnie's like, our, just our, our go getter. She goes, Dad, will you teach me how to fight? <laughs> I'm looking at Alyssa and I'm like, Yeah, I will. So let's go. Alyssa's like, No. Like, yeah, like, this is my moment. This is what I'm on the planet for. Like, I've been waiting all day to, for this moment. I want to be with my kids. I'm like, yeah, we're not going to bed. We're going to fight. I'm like, get your hands up. Here we go. And we're hitting each other. We're going for it. And we're, like, all in it. Judah sees this. Judah comes and jumps on top of us, and we're going for it. Nora comes in, and Nora, when she jumps on, he's, like, getting hit by a feather. And Nora jumps on, and we're, like, going for it. I mean, we're, we're all in it, and we are sweating. And we're, like, oh, and Alyssa's just rolling her eyes. She's going to bed by herself. And we're, like, yeah. We're going for it. And we just like fall into a stack of bodies, exhausted, and we just fall asleep. Oh, was it incredible? It was awesome. And I'm thinking, man, I got to have energy to bring my best. I've got to have some stamina, some perseverance to run through the line. And sometimes, Dad, we give our best to our J-O-B, we give our best to all those people that are around us, and then when we get home, our family gets the leftovers. Whatever's left over, hopefully you can piece a meal together and then, you know, that'll be your childhood and your experience. As I want to encourage you men, grandfathers, be the grandfather that climbs the tree, that jumps up in there with him, that creates the memories with him. And we've got to have some energy to fulfill the call that is on upon our life. Ralph Waldo Emerson, he said this, the world belongs to the energetic. <laughs> Isn't that just fun? Man, you want to go take it? Show up with some energy. William Blake says, energy is eternal delight. What a joy that is. So let's check out what is this Greek word whenever it says to have endurance. Here's the Greek word. I'm going to show you. Anybody know how to pronounce that one? 
Me neither. My Greek is just a little bit behind. That's probably the, the weak, weakest part of my game. Endurance, perseverance, stamina, staying in the game long after others have given up. It's staying in it. It's having endurance through the end. And as you might expect, it takes a lot of energy to succeed for the long haul. In this book that I'm reading right here, High Performing Habits, this is by Brendan Bouchard. In High Performing Habits, he talks about one of the principles for high performers is their energy levels. He says this, high performers have the magical trifecta of the capital E energy, that holistic kind that includes positive uh, in their enduring mental, physical, and emotional vibrancy. Energy is the key force that helps them perform better in many areas of life. It's why high performers have so much more passion, stamina, and motivation. If you can tap into the capital E energy uh, stored within, the world is yours. There's something about tapping into that. So men, let's think this one through a little bit. The Bible tells us that we need to build endurance, stamina, perseverance in our mind, in our body, in our spirit, uh, in our emotions, so that we've got what it takes. Men, I want to encourage us that we could live lean, not just in our bodies, but in our minds, in our emotions, that we're strong, that we're fit emotionally, spiritually, we're sound in our faith, as he says, we're sound in our love, we're sound in our temperance and our self-control, that we're not just kind of fat and lazy in our emotions and our ability to control ourselves, right? That we got what it takes to run through the tape. We endure, which means that we stay in it long after others have gone home. Men, we do not leave the game. We don't quit the game. We don't leave our marriages. We don't leave our children. We don't leave our, our team and our department whenever there's a major project and they're counting on you. You are dependable. You're the most dependable person on the team. You're the most dependable man in the room. You're the strongest man in the room whenever it comes to that stuff. It's endurance all the way through the end. The Bible says we need some men that have this on their spirit. I'll wrap with this. Last night we had life group. We're talking to um, a room of parents that have, um, that have young kids, and many of us were just exhausted, but full of joy and full of life by faith. And so as we're walking through this journey with kids and we're talking about what it takes to connect and unite our hearts with our children, um, I'm thinking, I can't wait to get out of here to go live this message. I just want to be with my kids. So there were kids that were at Life Group and they're all playing and having fun. And so as soon as we say amen in Life Group, I'm looking for the kids. And I see them and they're all outside and they're jumping on the trampoline. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is much better than life group. I get to jump on a trampoline. So I jump out here with the kids on this trampoline, and it becomes everybody against the pastor. All right? This is our shot. This is our chance. We're wiping him out. And so we have this absolute blast. After this, we take about half of these kids home with us, and then it becomes a spend-the-night party. When we get home, we want to have a family basketball game right here at the church. And so it turns in from basketball kind of into a jungle gym, and it turns into this. Then we're having a family basketball game. After the basketball game, while we're playing this, there's like a couple teenagers that are riding their bikes by, and they stop. They're like, 
oh, man, this looks cool. Can we play? And I'm like, yeah, come on in. So they come in, and they play. And then they we're doing this, this whole game. And then there's like a mom that's walking back from Horner's, and she's got kids with her, and, and they want to come over. And then they're, they're playing, and they're shooting, and we're like lifting them up, and they're dunking it and doing all sorts of stuff. Then we've got all of these kids, and there's people from the community driving around their golf carts, and they're singing. And all, there's like this swirl of energy. That's going on is because we said, yes, we want to go all in. We want to run through the tape, man. We get this day once. We only get one shot at this Saturday evening, and we're going to run through the tape. Dang it. I just want to encourage us men. Let's get it. Let's get it. And what is it going to take to produce that in you? It might mean changing diet. It might mean listening to some, to some Bible while you're in the car. For me, it starts first thing in the morning. What I listen to, what I put in my head, what I'm reading. I've got to master my mornings. I jump into the car. I'm listening to podcasts. I've got to feed this thing. I've got to feed my spirit, man, so that I can go in and, and run through the tape all day long and meet with people. So then when you show up to your family, they don't get the leftovers. They still get really good stuff. Endurance. I got this. I can handle it, right? So Paul's saying, Timothy, when you're raising up some men, this is the kind of stuff we want on their spirit. That was verse 2. <laughs> Y'all ready to go home? Don't answer that because it's awkward for you and it's offensive to me. All right, we'll pray and we'll get out of here. Um, we've got from now until Jesus comes to keep talking about him. And hopefully we continue will. So as we're going to move into next week, I know we're going to focus on missions with Doug and Holly and things like that. Again, please stay. And please get your heart gripped for people bigger than just you, but for the nations. And perhaps God will want to take you and your family on a mission trip. It would be pretty, pretty awesome to see. And then we're going to dive into women and all of your issues, and that's going to take months. So... <laughs> Would you all stand with me this morning as we close in prayer? All right, Jesus, help us. We need a lot of help. Jesus, I pray that we would be a house that has temperance and self-control, that we move in an insane amount of love one to another. God, I pray that you would put some stamina in our spirit all day, every day we show up and we bring it, and we bring our best, and we can hang longer than anyone else. We've got some endurance in this thing. I pray that you would keep us sound in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.